Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Have you been frustrated with how unbelievably expensive travel has been this summer? Well, there's one segment of the industry that was expensive earlier this year that's now becoming a deal. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. And later, gosh, I can share with you my IRS story. Seems like everybody has an IRS story. Things are really messed up there right now. And if you're having issues with the IRS, a prior return, this year's return, let me tell you, you're not alone. So the stories going on with the travel business, they're really bad, ugly with people paying huge money for any phase of it. And then the service from the airlines has been, well, it's just just been awful. And I did a terrible thing the other day. I was talking about the industry in an interview, and I said, gosh, the industry's crashing and burning. And what a terrible, terrible phrase to use. And the reporter looked at me like, you didn't just say that. No, the industry is having awful labor shortage problems and reliability problems, and then the high costs. So where do you turn if this is the end of your time of being cooped up, locked up, and you want to get out and do things, and you're looking at these prices? Well, ironically enough, the cruise industry, the stock market's pounding the cruise industry because the cruise lines are starting to see softening prices, softening demand. The people who were avid, avid, avid cruise passengers did it. They got out there, they cruised, they paid really high prices to get back on the ships. A lot of them were using what were called FCCs, future cruise credits. That when the cruise line shut down during the pandemic, instead of giving people their money back because cruise lines were broke, they gave them FCCs, which are like gift cards or vouchers for future travel. Well, that led to a lot of bookings, cruise lines raised prices, so you needed more money in addition to the future cruise credits, blah, blah, blah. So that cycle is over. And what's going on now is the cruise lines are, many of them are back to full capacity at the same time that pent-up demand has been satisfied. So when you look at cruises, particularly looking into the fall, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of deals. And cruises are turning out to be cheaper than most anything you can do. But by the way, with the cruises, couple of things you got to know. The more flexible you are, the more an opportunist you are, the more money you're going to save. You know, cruises, you think about a cruise ship sailing out of a port. That cabin goes empty. It's not like a hotel that loses the revenue for one night. A cruise loses the revenue for three, four, five, six, seven, ten, twenty nights, whatever that cruise length is. 
It's that cabin going out empty times those number of nights. So the cruise lines will offer all kinds of deals to get those cabins occupied. Because once somebody's in a cabin, their onboard spend is really valuable to the cruise line. So they can offer you these really cheap rates to get you in there. And historically, the cruise industry offered its best deals in midwinter. They had a thing they used to call Wave Week. More recently, they've called it Wave Season. And they would offer those best deals when people were facing the brutality of winter. And they'd be thinking, hey, wouldn't it be great to be on a ship somewhere where it's warm? And so the cruise lines would offer these deals during Wave Week or Wave Season. That would be when the big deals would be each year. Well, now... It feels like every day is a new wave season with the deals popping up. But again, you've got to be flexible. If you are, you'll find screaming, screaming deals. If you're not an experienced cruise passenger, you want to use a cruise-only agent or a very experienced agent at a cruise agency. If you are experienced, you can use a no-frills discounter and get the rebates of commissions and stuff like that you might get from a no-frills kind of outfit. And the savings with that flexibility, enormous. The other area you can go if you want to go by air, there have been fantastic deals to Latin America. If you have interest in going to Central America or South America, the lowest airfares I've ever seen to Central and South America are available for much of the United States right now. And the hotel rates, the cost of doing things, very, very low. And I just saw another story about how good the deals are to Asia. The Asian travel market is so dominated by wealthy Chinese, and the wealthy Chinese are not traveling right now. So it's left um, higher-end hotels and resorts empty of guests. The rates have been great, and there are a lot of really good airfares to Asia. Where are fares still generally very high? To Europe. And once you get to Europe, even though the euro is down in value against the dollar, can still be a more expensive trip. And a lot of places in the U.S. can be expensive. So if you go where the deals are, just naming three different things, the cruises, Latin America, and Asia, my thing always, follow the deal, and that's where the deals are. Krista? Have some travel questions. This one's from Judy in California. We're planning a vacation starting with a rental car in Boston, then driving to Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada, driving through Pennsylvania, and back to Boston. I took Clark's advice and checked the price of rental cars several weeks after making my first reservation. The price did go down, so now I have a reservation with Avis and one with Budget. I'm nervous that there won't be a car available when we get to the airport in Boston. Should I make a third reservation? At what point should I cancel the reservation I'm not going to use? Okay, so Avis and Budget are actually the same company. So if in most markets, if they're out of cars at Budget, they're out of cars at Avis and vice versa. So it's like you have a double booking with the same company there. Um, the car rental agency business has ended up with three owners, the largest being 
Enterprise, which owns Enterprise, Alamo, and National. Um, Hertz owns, I guess, Hertz, Dollar, Thrifty. There's another brand Hertz owns. Maybe Advantage. And then Avis and Budget are one as a company. So if you want to have a backup car rental, it needs to be with somebody else other than having both with Avis and Budget. And whichever one you're not intending to use, go ahead and cancel. But how interesting it is that the car rental shortage is so severe and people are showing up and there's just no cars there. And how do you even start your vacation? And then that's leading to the double and triple booking. So should she cancel like after she gets to the airport and gets the one car and knows there's a car there? You cancel then? You mean they, so if she does a backup right. with one of the other brands? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And again, reshop the car rental the week you're going, Judy, and you may find you're going to do better yet than what you've already done with the first two bookings you've done. And um, I haven't mentioned Autoslash lately. Autoslash is autoslash.com is a search site that automatically continually reshops the bookings you have for car rentals and notifies you that there's a better deal than what you've had and does it for you uh, with full automation rather than you having to remember to check. This is from Stephen, Texas. I know it might be a little early for booking a flight from Dallas to Cancun for the first or second week of December. My question is, I keep watching fares and they started at $518 and now are at $548. So when should I book it? So Steve, if you're looking from uh, Dallas to Cancun and you're looking at an airline, let's say uh, you normally fly American and you're looking at doing that booking on American. You can go ahead and buy the ticket now, even if the price is crazy high, because later, if the fare drops on them or somebody else, you still have the value of that to use typically within one year at no penalty. You know, the multi-hundred dollar change fees have generally gone away except in certain circumstances. So as long as there's no fee for change or cancellation, and you regularly fly the airline that you'd be buying the ticket on, I would get the bird in the hand, know that later the likelihood the fare will drop is very, very strong. And at that point, you can rebook and you have a credit for that future travel. If you're going to Cancun in December, it is very common when we hit August that fares to Fun in the sunspots in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America all do drop in price for the off-season. Second week of December is normally the cheapest week of the year to travel to a place like Cancun, any fun in the sun place, because you're that betwixt and between Thanksgiving and Christmas, a very, very soft travel time. And I would be stunned if the fare didn't drop way, 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 way below at 548. 
From Paul in Wisconsin, Dear Clark, someone is turning 40 this year, and we would like to celebrate with a trip to a destination unknown. Can you help point us in the right direction on where we might find a deal and a destination idea? We would like to travel late November or early December and are interested in warm weather, culture, hiking, and an overall experience unlike all the inclusive resorts. Congrats on being 67. The force is strong with you. Thank you very much for that, Paul. And I don't know where in Wisconsin you are, But if you're in the Milwaukee or Madison area, it opens up a whole bunch of possibilities to you with how close you are to Chicago, where fares are so competitive. The irony, if you go back enough years, people from Chicago used to travel to Milwaukee because Milwaukee used to be one of the least expensive places in the United States to fly in and out of due to competition. That's over now. And now people from southern Wisconsin now often have to compare prices out of Chicago. Go to kayak.com slash explore, and you can pull up a map of any part of the world from Chicago, Milwaukee, Madison, wherever in Wisconsin you are, and you can see what deals are available to various spots in the world. And you'll have ideas that never would have occurred to you as you look at the fare maps. You can put in specifically, uh, let's say, November, December, and look. You can leave it open and just see what deals pop up. And this works well over time. And here we are in July, during the peak of the summer travel season. You're going to find that the deals will get better as we move out of this peak month, when you look later in the year. And from Bobby in Mississippi, tip for Clark. When finally getting to North Dakota as your last state, visit the Fargo Visitor Center and tell them it's your last state. They'll shower you with gifts for saving the best for last. Very fun. Bobby, thank you. I This is ridiculous. I've never gone. One of the media companies, once as a joke, gave me, and they were really going to pay for it, a free all-expense-paid trip for my wife, Lane, and me to fly to uh, Fargo. And I just was so busy at the time, I didn't take advantage of it. And so here I am still, 49 states and holding. I've been at 49 states for, I don't know, for the last 20 years, 25 years. And so I need to get to North Dakota and get my free gifts Yep. in Fargo. What am I waiting for? I don't know. Well, got to get it done. Now, you know what you're waiting for? You're maybe waiting for a refund from the IRS, or you're getting a nasty gram from the IRS. We're going to talk about that coming up. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. 
Find Reese's now at a store near you. Think about how tough it is to be an employee of the IRS. The problems there have grown and grown and grown, and taxpayers are beyond frustrated. Okay, so wait, the new report from the IRS, thinks from the taxpayer advocate there, over 20 million tax returns have not been processed. And even millions haven't been processed from not the last tax year, but the tax year before. And then you get these dunning notices from the IRS. I got one recently saying that I owed tax penalty and interest on a payment that I sent in April. And it's, it wasn't a lot of money. But am I just going to send them money? Am I just going to roll over and play dead? No way. But what am I going to do? Who am I going to call? I mean, <laughs> do you know right now, the IRS is only answering somewhere around 10% of calls. No matter how long you wait, 90% of people cannot get to somebody. And it is not the fault of the workers at the IRS. They have to deal with a tax code that is obscenely, ridiculously complicated. And the Congress will pass something and say, okay, in three weeks, we want you to do so-and-so. They got to write all new code and all that. I mean, it, and our tax code is unusually convoluted. What I'm hoping comes out of all this, so what I'm hoping is that so often in the United States, things have to get bad enough before they get better. And I'm hoping that basically the institutional exhaustion involved with the insane complexity of how we do taxes in the United States will lead to a fresh start and that we go back to what we have not had in two generations and that is a simplified tax code i'm a big fan of what's called a modified flat tax where you just have two tax rates you have a base rate that applies to most people and above a certain income you go to a higher tax and that's called a modified flat tax and the advantage of it over just a straight flat tax is it deals with the class resentment that can occur if you just have that straight flat tax and you have people that are very, very wealthy who are paying the same thing as somebody who's not. So if you do a modified flat tax, what we had two generations ago is we had a 15% tax rate that was our base tax rate in the United States. And then wealthier people paid 28%. A lot of the games, gimmicks, and the rest went away. And what happened over the years was special interests gave their dirty money to members of Congress, and the tax code ended up as a horrible mess. Impossible to explain, impossible to administer, and resented like mad. So it's really easy to beat up on the IRS. But this time, it's actually not the IRS's fault. It is the absolute impossibility of the tax code itself, and it creates all kinds of gaming. If we eliminated all the games and had just the base tax rate and then a higher one above a certain threshold, inflation adjusted, so there wouldn't be what's known as bracket creep over time, 
I think we'd have a situation that would be simpler, that people could trust so much more, and would be able to be done in just minutes instead of as people face a success tax as they become more successful in business, that there's no way what they're signing their name to on a tax return, they actually understand it all, and they're agreeing that it's accurate when they don't even know what it is they filled out or what a hired hand, a tax preparer or accountant did for them. So that's my recipe. You blow up how we do tax in the country, and you get it back to something that people can trust and understand at the same time. In the meantime, it is and remains a mess. Do you ever get any of those nasty grams from the IRS? Uh, Knock on wood, I haven't, but... I got a lot of those. Mm. Maybe I'm just a bad person. (laughs) All right, we'll go to some questions. This is from Jennifer in Connecticut. We need to buy some sort of cell phone for our 13-year-old to use on rare occasions when he needs to wait alone for the school bus or get home before us. We are not ready to put him on our regular plan and have his own phone. It only needs to be able to make calls and maybe text. It does not need internet. There are trust issues here. What is the cheapest way to do this? We would give him the phone in the morning those days and take it back once we are home. So, Tello is really perfect for this use. T-E-L-L-O. Now, uh, your teenager is not going to be happy with you for this, but Tello is eight bucks a month. It's unlimited talk and text, no data, the eight a month. And they do sell an old-fashioned what's called feature phone, like a little flip phone that only does talk and text. So you can buy one from them for 79 bucks, and then pay them the $8 a month and there's no data. Now, the thing with no data, if you buy a regular phone for a teen or tween, Wi-Fi is all over the place and they'd still have access to all the social media, all the apps, everything, even if you don't have a data plan. So you have to go back in time to before smartphones, before 2007, 8, 9, whatever, and buy a plain old phone that will not allow all those functions, all those data functions. And Tello is the best deal I know of for that. T-E-L-L-O dot com. This is from Susan in Washington. My car was in an auto accident in late January. It is mostly repaired except for an airbag that needs to be replaced. The body shop says it is a supply problem that they have no control over. It has been almost five months that I've not had a car. And it's very frustrating. I have contacted my insurance company, but they said they have no control over this either. Is there any other course of action that I can take? Or do I just have to wait for an indefinite period of time to get my car back? You know, the airbag thing has been a mess for a long, long time, Susan, because one of the largest uh, airbag manufacturers in the world had the airbags. They were the exploding airbags, and there have been the massive recalls. A lot of those that were recalled years ago, there's still not the inventory to replace them, but it was that recall, not the COVID supply disruptions that's caused all these airbag problems. So people are put in a really tough position. I mean, you have this problem in your household, Krista, where the passenger side airbag is bad. Mm-hmm. And so 
in that car, you have a driver and then people sit in the back right. like they're being chauffeured. Mm-hmm. That's the car my daughter drives. So, and, and they recalled the airbag on every other year of that car, but for some reason, not that year. But it's an unsafe airbag. So uh, the, the answer, Susan, is if you wear, if you're really good about wearing a seatbelt, is this is an imperfect solution, but if you're allowed to have the car back and drive it till the airbag comes in, that that would be a way that you don't have that as a wasting asset. It is just one of those things that is uh, goes in that category when bad things happen to good people. There are no other simple solutions I know other than if you're allowed to have the vehicle back in your possession and use it, knowing that there's an enhanced risk by not having that airbag. This is from Kathy in Hawaii. When I invest money, like through Fidelity Zero Funds or my IRA and 403B, do I buy pieces of stocks and the value of the stocks go up and down, but the quantity I have stays the same? So if I'm playing for the long haul, I should put more money in when prices crash because I'm getting a deal on my investments. My quantity stays the same. It's just the value that changes. Yeah. In, in the simplest terms, not perfect accuracy, but the simplest terms, what you stated as a question was like we were, is that Jeopardy? Yeah. <laughs> um, is accurate. So if you own Fidelity Zero Funds and you own little pieces of thousands of stocks and the Fidelity Total Market Zero Fund, or they call it Total Market, Broad Market, whatever they call it, and the stocks individually go down in value inside that fund, the overall value of the fund goes down. So you're buying uh, the equivalent of more shares at a lower cost. They're on sale right now or on discount or on clearance. So when you're playing the long game, you do just that. You continually contribute to the funds. You're buying them at lower prices now. If you're playing a long game, ultimately that makes you much more money. And that's the thing. Normal investor behavior is when the market news is bad, people reduce their contributions or stop contributing. They might even sell positions they have in a retirement account. And then when things are really going well in the marketplace, that's when they buy more. And the math of that is completely backwards for your long-term financial well-being. You want to buy when others get afraid. You want to own when others are afraid. Because if you believe in the free market and you believe that owners of businesses do what's in their best interest and increase value over time, you want to be an owner of those enterprises. The big advantage of owning the Fidelity Zero Index Fund or a Vanguard Index Fund or from whoever you own an ETF index or something like that, the advantage of it is that you don't know over time which companies are going to be the ones that decline over time may even cease to exist over time. You don't know which ones are going to be big growers, but you, if you believe like I do that capitalism, that the free enterprise system creates more wealth over time, particularly for owners, you want to be an owner. And instead of trying to pick this stock or that stock, you own little pieces of thousands of stocks and you grow with the marketplace over time. It also means you go through times of pain. But if you're young, that pain creates more wealth 
later. And I want to thank you so much for being with us today. You may be on your daily walk. You may be commuting. You may be torturing your children in the car, making them listen to boring Clark. However, and whenever you listen, I hope there's something that you hear from me each and every podcast, each and every day that helps you take more control of your life, your wallet, and your future.